Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. It is another Victory Monday here in Indianapolis, Indiana. The 10th Victory Monday of the year. I don't care who you root for. That's a good season right there. Of course, my name is Joe Hopkins, and with me per usual is Mike Chappell. Mike, how are you today? Good. How you doing? Hey, I can't complain about anything. We got holidays around the corner. Looking forward to uh, safely seeing some family. So I'm, I'm doing well. Everything's good on the Hopkins front. And that's what Let's that's see. what you got to hope for. You just hope for it's a good day and December and holidays. So hopefully, hopefully everybody's doing well. That's right. Got to just keep things rolling. Be happy when uh, things are dull. Uh, but right. things were not dull in the NFL this past weekend. Um, we'll start with the news before we get to the Colts game. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported on Saturday that the Colts linebacker coach Dave. Borgonzi would not be available Sunday versus the Texans due to COVID-19 protocols. Um, unclear if he tested positive or was just in close contact or what the deal was. But uh, hopefully, you know, we wish the best for Borgonzi. Hopefully he'll be able to come back to the Colts sooner rather than later. And thankfully, his linebackers were able to make some pretty big plays without him there at the game on Sunday. So that's just something to keep an eye on. I thought I'd mention that off the top. Something else that's definitely uh, worth mentioning is Rodrigo Blankenship leads the AFC kickers in Pro Bowl voting amongst fans. Uh, The full Pro Bowl rosters are expected to be released tonight, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, is when the NFL is going to let those go. So we'll have to see if any other Colts made the Pro Bowl. Rodrigo Blankenship was the only one who led his position in the AFC. So he's the only Colt we know for sure, but there's certainly other Colts who are deserving of Pro Bowl honors. Something else that should bring a smile to Colts fans' faces is that for the first time since 2008, the New England Patriots have missed the playoffs. They were eliminated on Sunday after losing to the Miami Dolphins, and old horseshoe foe Bill Belichick will be watching the tournament from home. Man, what a difference Tom Brady makes, huh, Mike? Yeah, I've got my black armband on to you. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, it, it was always going into this, and it was who, who would miss the other one more, Belichick or Brady. And uh, it's not all been great down in Tampa, but but they're in pursuit of the playoffs. I remember back in the day, about two months ago, people thought the Colts should have gone after Cam Newton and not Philip Rivers. You know, well, how's that going now? So, uh, yeah, there won't be a tear shed in, in central Indiana or Indiana in general on the Patriots uh, being off once January hits. Yeah, that'll that'll the AFC playoff picture will have one team missing for the first time in a while. So I'm sure no Colts fans are shedding a tear over that one. Something Colts fans might be shedding a tear about, if not now, maybe in the future. It has to do with the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. The Jets' win over the Rams on Sunday means that the Jaguars would now have the first overall pick if the season ended today. Both the Jags and the Jets are 1-13, and and Jacksonville has not won since Week 1 when they beat, of course, the Colts for their only win of the season. Jacksonville finishes their season with the Bears at home and then Indianapolis at Indianapolis in Week 17. So go Bears! Uh, the Jets finish the season with the Browns, and then they visit New England over the final week. So we'll have to see what happens there. But let's hope the Jags can uh, 
I'm sorry, I said go Bears. What I meant was go Jaguars. We have to root that they beat the Bears um, if the Colts don't want to face Trevor Lawrence most likely twice a season for the next however many years. Yeah, it's really uh, – everybody was so concerned about Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence going to New York and the mess that they are. I mean, Jacksonville's better. Uh, I I just – I mean – that's that's where they, they they've messed up quarterback selecting for how many years 10 11 12 I don't know now Lawrence may be you know bulletproof to that but uh that's the one flaw about the NFL process is that the best player goes to the worst team and and if and if you're not the right team you can mess up a quarterback's career I go back I go way back to Houston with uh David Carr, where they they beat football out of him, and they're doing no favors to Deshaun Watson. So you really, it it it's so important for that quarterback to go to the right place. And I'm not sure either the Jets or Jacksonville either one of the right place for him, for Trevor Lawrence. No, it you know it, it's tough to say which roster you'd rather end up on. The Jaguars have a ton of draft capital in the future. So at least they might be able to build a young core around Lawrence, but nevertheless, there's two weeks to go. We'll have to see how that ends up. Um, The Houston Texans would actually have the sixth overall pick right now if they hadn't traded it away to Miami. So as bad as their season has gone, they don't even have that draft pick anymore. Things are looking grim in Houston, especially after this loss that now puts them at four and ten we'll get to the game recap now the colts face off against the texans for the second time in two weeks they last played the texans on december 6th so exactly 14 days apart and it was great to see colts punter rigoberto sanchez walking through the tunnel as he made his first return to the field after having a cancerous tumor removed on december 1st uh the colts on monday actually released punter Ryan Allen from the practice squad. So they seem to be pretty confident with how Sanchez held up. And Mike, I never would have expected that Sanchez would have been able to make it back to the field so soon after all the news broke about his cancer diagnosis and his upcoming surgery and he's recovering well. And all of a sudden, bam, he's back out on the field. Yeah. And one thing, the the Colts sort of gave us that indication it was going to happen. I mean, Frank said we're very optimistic on the prognosis and all that. And keep in mind, they did they did not put him on IR, which would have meant three games. Remember, they didn't do that with uh, was it Costanzo? I'm thinking of as, as well. So they they the fact you don't put a guy on IR means you don't think it's going to be three games. So in all their talks with him and him with his doctors, it was very clear that barring something going wrong, he would be ready as quick as he did. So kudos and Nicole. Really good job. They announced the defense and then they announced Rigo at the end, and he sort of came out on his own. So it was, it was just a really good feel feel good moment. Feel good moment for a really actually good player. I mean, he he punted right. well in this game. Um, him coming back did the Colts favors. Uh, but back to the game now. He would start the game off by kicking off to the Houston Texans after picking up one first down and DeForest Buckner sack on Deshaun Watson. On third and two to a punt, um, it came on Buckner's first snap of the game, actually, because he did not start in this contest. He was limited during the game after suffering an ankle injury in Thursday's practice. He played a season low, 51% of the snaps, but boy, did he make them count. 
and we'll get to more on him in a bit because he shows up at crucial times in this ball game. Colts first drive now. They just made it look easy from the get-go. Jonathan Taylor and the Colts go 81 yards on 10 plays. Taylor would punch it in from the five yards out to put the Colts up seven to nothing. Houston back with the ball. Uh, they would again pick up one first down. And again, on third and three, Buckner sacks Watson. The ball comes loose. It's recovered by Justin Houston. Colts ball at the Texans 42. Is, is Buckner just a cyborg, Mike? I mean, what can't this guy do? He makes such a difference. Even when he's injured, he's still a, a force on the field. Yeah, and they made it very clear that they didn't know that he was going to play. The uh, Forrest told us after the game that you know two days ago he, he could barely put weight on his on his uh, on the ankle, and he wasn't cleared until that morning. And and any again we we've talked about this, but anyone who who questions giving him the 13th overall pick and, and then signing him to an 84 million dollar extension, let's put that to rest. Th- th- those were steals. He's that important, and he's got to be in play. He he won't get it probably, but defensive uh, player of the year, he's got to be in, in in the discussion. Or or all you do is give it to Aaron Donald, and, and you don't worry about anybody else. He he's had that much impact on this defense. Yeah, he's been absolutely incredible for a Colts defense too. And the one game that he missed, it was noticeable. Uh, back to this game in which he was thankfully able to play. Um, let's see. The, the Colts now with the ball at the 42 after the turnover. And this next drive was almost all Zach Pascal. He came up big, uh, multiple points on this game. He picked up on 26 yards on third and five. And then on the very next play, he finished the drive with an 11-yard touchdown grab. Uh, the Colts put the exclamation point on that touchdown with a very nice synchronized jump on it end zone dance. Uh, good to see the boys working on what's important during practice there. <laughs> Colts now up 14 to nothing. And this game looks like it might be a blowout. Texans pick up a couple first downs on their next drive, but a Nico Autry sack on second and nine sets them back. They end up punting the ball right back to the Colts. But then the Colts have a sack on second and eight. That sets them back as well. And they end up punting for the first time in this game. Here's where the Texans come alive. Watson completes passes of 17 yards on third and seven, 26 yards on third and 15, and then a 38-yarder to Chad Henson for a touchdown. Looked like it had to be a blown coverage. He was just wide open. Uh, we now have a 14-7 to ball game. Houston's right back in it. Colts have the ball back, looking to do something before the end of the half, but they couldn't do much with it. And then complete pass to Trey Burton on third and six brings up a punt. And Deshaun Watson and the Texans have the ball back with about a minute 43 before halftime. And Watson does what he does. He leads the Texans down the field. They get into Colts territory. An encroachment penalty on Indianapolis makes it second and goal from the Colts five-yard line. Thankfully for Colts fans, Indianapolis is able to force two incompletions. And the Texans settle for a 23-yard field goal. It is now 14 to 10 at the break. Mike, game that started so great for Indianapolis, all of a sudden, all the momentum's with Houston going into the half. Yeah, and, and it always comes down to do you convert on third down? And they did, I think, the first three times. And then the one you, you mentioned, the, the incompletion to Trey Burton, he's got to make the catch. It was sort of off his fingertips, but you, you've just got to find a way to make that play. And w- when these guys stall, it's because again on third down they don't get it done. You know if they complete that and they go ahead and score, uh, 
at the end of the half. Who knows? Uh, when when you let any team hang around and hang around, you're asking for trouble. And when that team has Deshaun Watson, a quarterback, you're really, you know, walking a fine line to get beat. Yeah, yeah. The finest of lines, one might say. The Colts get the ball to start the second half. But after first and 10 at Houston 17, the drive stalls. Blankenship would knock through a field goal from 36 yards out to give the Colts a seven-point lead. Texans now with the ball. And they pick up where they left off before the half. Watson again leads his team in the Colts' territory. And on second and eight, he completes a pass to Scotty Phillips, who was pushed out of bounds near the first down marker. The officials originally call it a first down, but Frank Wright throws the red flag. He challenges it. The ruling on the field is overturned, bringing up third and inches. And on that third down try, the Texans would be called for a false start. That backs them up to third and five, and the Colts would hold. The Texans opt for a field goal there, making it 17-13. to 13. But boy, Frank Wright's challenge paid off big for an Indianapolis Colts team who looked like it might have given up a touchdown on that drive. Yeah, he said it was kind of a – you get you get re, replay views of it, but he said it was really a gut, a gut call, and he had three or four players tell him that, the, you know, that he stepped out of bounds. And, and that's, four, that's, a, that's saving four points right there. So uh, it's – we kind of get on – coaches and right when they they don't go and challenge but challenging a spot is a tough call to overturn uh but but again as it turned out right again the false start was huge i'm not so sure it wasn't the the backup right tackle uh who who did i'm not sure but uh that, that was four points i saved right there and it just meant so important at the end of the game Yeah, I think you're right. It was either the tackle or the tight end at the end of the line there. Uh, But regardless, the Colts have now now have the ball with time dwindling down in the third quarter. After a couple first time, the drive stalls at Houston's 35 yard line, giving Rodrigo Blankenship an opportunity at a 53 yard field goal. And it was good right down the middle. Plenty of leg, a career long for Hot Rod, who hopefully can put to rest any question marks about his leg strength. The Colts now up 20 to 13, and it wasn't that we didn't think Hot Rod could do it. We just hadn't seen it yet. His only other 50-yard attempt uh, bounced off the crossbar bar there. Um, I saw a lot of people reacting on Twitter. Oh, he can do it. He can hit the 50-yarder. Well, Mike, you've known this from seeing him in practice and stuff, but it's great to finally see him do it in a game. Yeah, it's funny how Dirk can kind of start things, and, and all of a sudden when he hit the cross, I think it was against Green Bay. Where it hit the crossbar, and and if you go back and look, and he even told us that he kind of scuffed. He, he it wasn't a clean kick. We've watched him in training camp. Uh, he's got the leg. He he just does. Uh, it was one of those where he, he just didn't hit hit that one clean, the fifty yarder. But uh, when he's on, he distance is not an issue. He 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 could probably nail one from sixty if you needed one at the end of the half, end of the game. So. He's the least of our worries when it comes to distance. Yeah, but the only bad thing about that is, Mike, in one of our keys to the game in the pregame show, we said that the Colts needed to come up with touchdowns, not field goals, and the Texans showed why on their next drive. When they go 80 yards in 10 plays, the drive took over six minutes off the clock. It ended with a nine-yard touchdown catch by Colts killer Kiki Cootie. I don't know what it is about playing the blue and white, but Cootie – Seems to have his best games against Indianapolis. 
In his five career games against Colts, including the playoffs, Cootie has 36 catches, 440 yards from scrimmage, and three total touchdowns. He's either had a touchdown or 100 yards in every game against the Colts, but he's only one in four in those games. So I think overall the Colts fans will take that. Anyway, (laughs) sorry, go ahead, Mike. His his first career game was against Colts, and he got 100 and some yards. Yeah, he had like 11 catches or something like that. He's kind of like what T.Y. is to Houston. So, you know, maybe every player's got a team that they just, it works against. And he's, and the, it works against the Colts for Kiki uh, until the end. Until, 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 yeah, I think he'll trade his yards for that last fumble at the end, but we'll get to that shortly. Uh, Colts, Phillip Rivers, they now have the ball and the offense needs to step up, and they do. Indianapolis went on a 12-play, 75-yard drive. That included a Jacoby Brissett conversion, QB sneak on fourth and one. That was big. Then on second and 20 from Houston's 44, Rivers drops a 41-yard dime down the middle to T.Y. Hilton. Beautiful pass. And, I mean, such a huge play because if that falls incomplete, it's all of a sudden third and 20, and you might have to punt the ball back to Houston with a chance for them to win the game. Tie score. Uh, Zach Pascal will then catch a short pass and muscle his way into the end zone um, from about five yards out for his second score of the game, making it 27 to 20 Colts. The drive took about five and a half off the clock, leaving just under two minutes for Deshaun Watson, who also has a couple of timeouts in his back pocket. And Mike, we've been here before. Flashback to exactly two weeks ago. These two teams were virtually in the same situation. Texans having the ball down 26 to 20 on the final drive of the game. We all know how that one ended. The quarterback center exchange fumble. Colts dive on it. Colts win that game. Now back to this past Sunday. Deshaun Watson driving with a chance at redemption. Watson scrambles to the left for nine yards. And he takes a knock while running out of bounds from Xavier Rhodes. The refs throw a flag on a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty and just like that Houston is at the 49 yard line there's still a minute 36 to go and they still have their two timeouts plenty of time all day Watson keeps on dealing five yards to tight end Aikens 16 yards to Cooks 10 yards to David Johnson who really had a great game catching the ball in this one Houston now at the Colts 20 but DeForest Buckner was the third sack of the game it's big it forces Houston to take their second timeout and brings up second down and 16 from Indy's 26. Still 56 seconds to go. A false start on Houston then backs him up five more yards. But we're still playing ball here. Watson completes a 10-yarder to Aikens, six-yarder to Johnson, and then Houston takes their last time out with 28 seconds left. Fourth and five from the Colts' 15-yard line. If you want drama, you got it. Here we go. Watson raises up and completes a pass over the middle to who? To Kuti who then bounces off a defender at nine, slips a Julian Blackman tackle at the five, and he's still going. Lunges toward the end zone, but Darius Leonard comes from behind, punches the ball out moments before Cootie crosses the goal line. It's a mad dash in the end zone for the football. Bobby Okariki comes away with it, and the Colts win on a fumble near the goal line on the final drive for the second time in two Weeks is insanity. Mike, have you ever seen anything like this? No, and I asked Frank Reich the same thing, and he said no. Uh, and, and same with Philip Rivers, and you know they've been around you know River seventeen years, and Reich for thirty. Uh, you know, in, in one instance, Houston gives it to you in Houston, 
bot snap. And this one, the Colts took it away. So it was kind of good to see that it was making a play. But, boy, you just can't, as a defense, live on making plays at the goal line with time we're running out. And there's no doubt in my mind that if Kuti scores, they're going for two. They're simply going for two. And I think we saw early in or second half in the game where Watson, I think they, they tried to convert a fourth and one or fourth and two, or maybe it's a third and two. And Watson does it with, with a rollout. And I can see where in a two-point play, I'm not sure how you stop him. He's that good. So I really think that had had they not fumbled, we might have been sitting here looking at a 28-27 Colts loss because I really think they would have gone. For, I, I just don't know that Houston would have wanted to go into overtime. So so they go for two maybe, and then maybe this is not a happy Monday. Yay, but thankfully that's uh, that, that's something that we don't even have to worry <laughs> about because Darius Leonard, like a ma- the maniac that he is, there's a reason he has that nickname. He just ran in there, put that fist on that football, and thankfully the Colts came away with it. Uh, takeaways, I mean, this has to be just absolutely heartbreaking for Watson. What more does he have to do? In this game, he piled up nearly 400 yards passing and rushing combined, threw a pair of touchdowns. He again endured five sacks at the hand of the Colts. But it wasn't enough. The Colts defense, like you said, Mike, made big plays when they needed to. Uh, In the first meeting, the Colts had five sacks on Watson. And that came in three from Justin Houston and two from Buckner. Second time around, Buckner now has three. Danico Autry pitched in one and a half. And Tyquan Lewis had half a sack as well. Uh, So Colts getting it done in multiple ways. We've seen them get after the quarterback against Houston. Against the Raiders, it was most of the secondary when the defensive line wasn't able to get pressure. Kenny Moore had a huge game in that one uh, with interceptions and forced fumbles. Kari Willis, of course, with the pick six. But obviously, the big play of the day this past Sunday was Darius Leonard's forced fumble. The guy just doesn't give up on plays. And he finished with a game-high 12 total tackles as well. So he was doing it all game long. Truly a maniac. Mike, this Colts defense, you know, you talk about making big plays and big moments. That's not just relegated for the offense. The defense is finding a way to do it as well. Yeah, they're one of the league leaders in takeaways. And it's at 24 now, I think it is. Uh, and again, that's what, you, that's, what, that's what good defenses do. Sometimes they give up yards and they give up drives. But one of the tenets of, of, of when Tony Dungy was here, and now we see the same type of defense, the 4-3, cover two, and bend but no break and all that. It's that if, if you force an offense to go 10, 12, 14 plays, that you're good enough that you're going to get a sack. You're going to get a, a tip ball. You're going to get a, a, a fumble. You're going to get, you're going to force those. Or the offense is not going to be efficient enough to where it can not have a, a holding or a false start. So we're seeing, you know, I, I remember probably like three or four years ago, we were talking, who are the playmakers on defense? I mean, there weren't any post-Robert Mathis. Who were the playmakers? You got DeForest Buckner. You got Justin Houston. You got Darius Leonard. You got Kenny Moore. You know, at times you've got Xavier Rhodes. I wouldn't put him in that, in that, in that list. And Julian Blackman has shown playmaking skills. So all of a sudden, you have five guys on defense that you sort of expect somebody to make a play. Bobby Okariki is playing well. So I just think the future is so bright on this defense. Outside of Justin Houston, it's a young defense. So uh, it's again, the arrow's up, and you really like the way this defense 
yes, it gives up too much, too much sometimes. And well, there was a couple of breakdowns in coverage. Uh, we've seen that in, in, in a couple of times in the last few weeks, but it, it, we were talking to Zach Pascal and he said, you know, sort of expect the defense to make these plays. And it's getting to where you are expecting this defense to make plays when the time comes. And, I mean, you'd rather have a defense that can maybe give up some yards and make plays like that. Because in the NFL, especially against the better teams, it is too hard to just force teams to punt every time. I mean, you got to come up with a big play here and there because good luck forcing the Chiefs to punt multiple times like that in the playoffs is just not going to happen. On the other side of the ball, though, while the offense scored just three points in quarters two and three, they did enough to win the game. Phillip Rivers was efficient yet again. He completed 22 of 28 passes for 228 yards and two touchdowns. It's his third straight game with no interceptions and also his third straight game with a passer rating of 118 or better. He now joins Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson as the only quarterbacks to do that this season. I mean, Rivers is playing great. What is it over his last eight or nine games? He has an 18-4 to four touchdown to interception right. ratio. I mean, you know, it, it was a little choppy. There was a learning curve at the beginning of the season, but this is probably the best you could ever hope Rivers would play in an Indianapolis Colts uniform this year. And Frank Wright in this uh, this unit is getting it out of him when it counts. His top target on the day was Zach Paschal, who's just celebrated his 26th birthday on the 18th. What a way to end his birthday weekend. After having just three catches for 61 yards over his last three games combined, Pascal led the Colts with five catches for 79 yards and two touchdowns. After the game, Frank Wright said it was just his day. Great to see Pascal, who at times last year was the Colts' number one wide receiver due to injuries. Great to see him get back involved with the offense and have a nice day out there. Yeah, and that's the one thing. Let's... We need to keep harping on. That's why it's so important to get T.Y. back to being what he is. You know, the he's still the focal point. He still gives you the big plays. I tell you, if you're the Colts and you're Rivers and you draw up a play that's so huge and you get T.Y. matched up on a linebacker down the seam, I mean, he's going to win that every time, and he did. But when you have T.Y. back to where he is, it lets – Michael Pittman be the number two guy. It lets Zach Pascal be the three that sometimes has these games. And, and, and not to, to, to criticize the guy, but uh, Marcus Johnson left the game with a, a quad injury. And probably six weeks ago, we were talking about how important he was to the, to the passing game. He gave him the deep threat. Well, now he can't go on the field. So when, when T.Y. is out there doing what he does, you get Michael Pittman back off of IR for now quite a while. It allows everyone to do their role instead of everybody up a notch. So, again, we'll talk about it. I see you got on the list here, Jonathan Taylor. This offense is is everybody's playing their best now. Uh, Phillip Rivers, it was 78%, you know, 22 to 28. And I still think Trey Burton should have caught the one. Uh, so he's playing, you know, lights out. Jonathan Taylor still has a chance for 1,000 yards. He needs like 158 yards in two games. He's done it in the last four. So really encouraged if you're a Colts fan with the way this offense is playing. Yeah, Mike, I saw you noted on Fox 59 and CBS4Indy.com in your post-game stories that Taylor 
after his 83-yard performance against Houston, now has 80-plus rushing yards in four consecutive games. Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb are the only two running other running backs to do that this season, so that's pretty damn good company. Uh, Taylor is the first Colt to have four straight 80-plus-yard rushing games since Joseph Dye in 2007. That's incredible that, that it's been since 2007 that the Colts have had a running back over 80 yards in four straight games. It tells you how hit and miss this running game's been since the, the mid-2000s. It shows that, and I also think it shows, I mean, there was only two other running backs this you know, in the entire league to do that this season. So I and think it also shows Derek that. Henry. And one's not Derrick Henry. <laughs> I know, Derrick Henry. I actually, when I saw that stat, I was like, no way. And I had to look up Henry's game log. And it's right, he'll have like 140, 100, and then 60, just enough right. to break up that stat. Right. Um, but yeah, workhorses in the NFL are rare, and the Colts might have a workhorse uh, in their midst in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up, T.Y. Hilton, he kept things rolling, you know, 71 yards on four catches. He now has at least 71 yards over his last four games after not surpassing 71 the entire season before about a month ago. So great to see T.Y. Hilton uh, get into the fold, and him and Rivers really seem to be clicking and connecting now. I mean, even that deep pass to 41-yarder, it was in the air, and I just had a flashback of the Minnesota game where he was wide open and they, they just couldn't connect on that one. Whatever it is, they seem to be in a rhythm now. And the last thing I hear have here on my takeaways is the Colts win the turnover battle yet again. They now have zero turnover over their last three games. I mean, that's huge. It, it, it's hard to have any game without any turnovers. Now three in the row, the Colts are playing their best ball at the right time. Mike, did you have any other takeaways in this one before we move on to offensive and defensive players of the game? No, the no takeaway thing. That, that's seven games this year with no turnovers. I mean, and, and they're 7-0 in those games, so, you know, duh. Uh, the last time they've had seven – I keep too many stats. The last time they had seven games with, with no turnovers was 2013. They were 6-1. and one. And Peyton, Peyton only did it once. In all his years here, so they're really doing—they're doing a really, really good job of being aggressive when it's needed, but taking care of the football. So now they'll go out and they'll literally, you know, Pittsburgh will rip them for free <laughs> take. It never fails that way. But uh, again, it's, you're just very encouraged by the way the offense is being efficient, aggressive, and taking care of the football. Very encouraged, and what's also encouraging is it seemed to be a. Uh, uh, a light day on the injury front. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on DeForest Buckner and his ankle as the week goes along. Um, didn't seem to be any setbacks from that game, so hopefully his ankle will be in better shape for the Pittsburgh game this upcoming Sunday. And then, Mike, you mark, uh, mentioned Marcus Johnson with the quad. Was there any other injuries that I missed from this contest? No, again, that's they, they can't, you know, knock on wood. Uh, they're in good shape, and I, I would expect DeForest Buckner be maybe not practices week, maybe not the Thursday and maybe Friday. I don't know what their schedule is with the holidays. We won't see much of, of him in practice this week, which is that's fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. I think he's one of those rare players who doesn't need to practice to play. Um, moving on now to offensive and defensive players of the game. Mike, I'll let you go first on offense. Who you got? I'm going with Rivers. Uh, I almost went with, with Pascal, but I, I, I like the way Rivers is playing. 22 of 28, uh, still spreading the ball around, getting him in the right right plays and all that. I 
Again, I could have gone with Pasco, but I, I like 22 of 28 for what was it? 228 and two touchdowns. I'm going to have to go with Jonathan Taylor. I thought he ran really well again. Um, he had 83 yards on, I believe, 16 carries. He also had four catches, only about 12 yards, if I remember right, um, off those catches. But I thought they could have gone to him more. It kind of seemed like after riding him heavy early, they kind of turned away from him a little bit when he was running so well. Um, I would have liked to see them keep leaning on him and Hines, who had a great game. On the ground as well, I believe he averaged about eight yards per carry. Uh, so that running game was just clicking so well. I kind of wanted to see them stick with it. But it obviously worked. They did enough to win the game. And I thought Taylor played excellent once again. Defensive player of the game. It's tough not to give it to the Maniac, but I'm going to give it to DeForest Buckner. I mean, I thought his three sacks were huge. This is another game where if he doesn't play, I don't think the Colts win this game because... His sacks came in situations where they almost certainly kept points off the board. Um, so I'm going to have to go with Buckner fighting through the ankle injury to get three sacks. Yeah, I'll, I'll make that two votes. I just think, again, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing what his presence means. We're seeing why they gave up so much to get him here. And, uh, yes, Darius Leonard made the play to, to win the game, but DeForest Buckner kind of put him in a position to be in that position. So I – yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if come Wednesday he's not AFC Defensive Player of the Week. I won't be surprised at all. Yeah, me neither. And, I mean, that's a good point about putting Leonard in the position to make that play because it was the sack and then Houston's false start that backed him up or else Cutie would have been in the end zone by the time Leonard got to him. So those, those were huge, although Leonard's definitely deserving as well with 12 tackles and the forced fumble on the day. Before we wrap things up here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, let's take a look at the playoff picture. The Colts won, but so did everyone else ahead of them in the AFC. So they stay in the sixth seed at 10 and 4. Titans won as well, so they're still 10 and 4, and they still own that tiebreaker. So while they're right there in the division, they're going to need the Titans to lose, and the Colts are going to have to keep winning if they want to win the AFC South. Uh, the Dolphins also won, so they remain the AFC's seventh seed and final playoff spot. At least at the moment, they are 9-5. and five. But the Ravens are right on their tail with a 9-5 and five record as well, and they're starting to heat up and play a little better football lately, so we'll see how that ends up. Mike, I, honestly, I'd probably rather play the Dolphins in the playoffs than I would Lamar Jackson and the Ravens again, but uh, the Colts obviously won't have that choice, so we'll see what happens there. I did see you noted on Twitter, though, that with the Colts' win and just two weeks left in the regular season, the Colts' playoff odds now jump up to 91%, according to 538.com. So the Colts are handling their business. I know you've said for weeks now that the Colts can get to 10 wins. You think they have a pretty good shot of making the playoffs, and they've accomplished that feat. Yeah, right now it lines up. I believe they would go to Buffalo for yeah, a round of the playoffs. Uh, well, it's either going to be Buffalo or Pittsburgh, probably. So, you know, take take your pick. Uh, what What's crazy is the way it goes right now, it, it's the, the, the wild card, Cleveland, Colts, and Miami. Yet Baltimore's got a much better chance of making it than he does because of the closing schedule. So, uh, you know, win and you get in. That's the way the Colts are right now. Is take care of your business and you get in. And, and the AFC South is not out of the picture yet. No, not out of the picture at all. Um, there's two weeks left in the regular season, as I've said repeatedly. The Colts, they're right in line for a playoff spot, and they got 
two weeks to try and win that division. They play the Steelers coming up this Sunday, and we will have a game preview for that on Wednesday this week. We're taking Thursday off for Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates that, and happy holidays to everyone else um, from your Colts Blue Zone family here at Fox 59 and CBS 4. Um, let's see, Colts play the Steelers. Steelers have lost two in a row, so Pittsburgh seems to be, while the Colts are trending up, Pittsburgh's trending in the wrong direction, so we'll see how they're able to handle Indianapolis. And Pittsburgh plays tonight against the Bengals, so we'll see uh, if they can get back on track or if they'll continue skidding in the wrong direction there. That'll do it for us today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen through so that you get our episodes delivered straight to your listening device. Again, my name is Joe Hopkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. You can follow Mike Chappell on Twitter at mchapel 51 And follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone, where we'll keep you updated on everything regarding the Colts throughout the week. Colts fans, enjoy this win, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. <laughs>